Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. This is a special one, though, ladies and gents, isn't it? Kids, finals, medals, heroes. We have got so much to talk about today. And to be honest, ladies and gents, if you're not buzzing, I'd probably just give it all in and take up tiddlywinks or something else because we are going to be going hard on this for the next hour or up to that or so. And I am delighted as ever to be joined by the renowned and the respected David Lynch. Now, David, I'm going to ask this, but I already know the answer. How are we this morning? <laughs> Buzzing. Yeah, just a, an unbelievable day. Sort of going into that, didn't think it'd be going down as one of the greatest days in Liverpool's history, but I genuinely think it's up there in terms of the circumstances and everything around it. Uh, just the, the perfect day. And as you say, if as a fan you can't enjoy moments like that, then you, you're into the wrong pastime, really. It was just it just absolutely perfect in, in every single way. Absolutely. I mean, the, we, we've got to get into it. There's so much. I mean, 1-0, Van Dijk's late header on a take-two basis due to VAR. An extra time winner, kids everywhere shining. And I'm almost going to rewind you back to, to pre-kickoff. And you can be honest with us because it doesn't really matter now. Nervous when you heard... No Van Dyke, no Van Dyke, God not say that. No Sabozlai, no Salah and Nunes. Nervous when you heard that. 
I, I wasn't surprised I'll say that much because I mean I, th- I think we spoke in the preview didn't we the the the, the noises I was hearing and, and people close to it we, weren't really sort of giving much optimism that, that yeah. certainly Salah or Nunes would, would be part of the squad so sort of quite accepting of it and, and, and ready for that news when it dropped um, so, so not shocked on that front but as you say I think my thoughts were that look, I, I thought the eleven that Liverpool put out to start was good enough to compete with Chelsea. Absolutely, I mean the the Chelsea are awful, aren't they? So <laughs> I knew they could make a game of it. I thought, but but what it told me was that I thought Liverpool would maybe need to be one or two up by seventy minutes, or or would definitely have to get it done in normal time to win it. Because I thought every time they make a sub here, it's probably going to make Liverpool weaker. And when Chelsea have got the likes of Unkunku on the bench, who could in theory make them stronger, then I thought, you know, if it's nil-nil going into maybe the last 20 minutes or so, then it was probably going to be Chelsea's game. Uh, Obviously, I was absolutely talking rubbish thinking that. Um, That would have proved completely wrong. But yeah, I think it it, it was a blow to know that Liverpool was starting without that. And I I thought it sort of set my expectations around the day in terms of what was going to be possible. But as I say, I was completely confounded on that front because Liverpool are just ridiculous. The the, the character and the quality they've got that that goes all the way through to the academy is, is ridiculous. And that... That is what allowed them to to stay in the game right until the end and and then win it in in, in the best way to to win a cup final. Yeah, I mean, the kids literally fought with everything they had right until the end. And I know we were tweeting before and I was saying like, who were your five penalty takers? And you were like, Dave, why are you asking me about that type of thing? But I mean, we were moments from it. I told you you wouldn't need it. (laughs) Yeah, there were moments from it. And even I was like, okay, Van Dijk, Kelleher, Pet Linders, Carol from the Cantonese, <laughs> the Vive type of thing. I mean, there are so many to this, but is there an overriding emotion for you of the day and now that we're here right now? Yeah, I think it should be utter pride, really. I think that 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 sums it up, really, in terms of, you know, the, the, the way they fought, every single setback they got. I mean, the fact they're missing 11 players to start with and then lose Gravenberg after 28 minutes, is it, to, a, to an ankle injury, thinking, you know, could things keep going more wrong and, 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 you know, you get a goal chalked off. And, and as I say, Chelsea have got the ability to put themselves in the ascendancy as the game goes on because of the, the strength of the subs bench and Liverpool are having to, to throw kids in and, and almost, you know, this sounds unfair saying it now in the aftermath of what we saw, but in theory should have been weakening their team with every sub that they made Liverpool because they were putting in inexperienced players on the pitch. And yet, you know, none of that happened. They just kept hanging in there. They, they kept coming through really difficult moments in the game because Chelsea did definitely have a few moments where they were in charge, not not least sort of the last maybe 10, 15 minutes of normal time as well. It was Chelsea's yeah. best period. And the, it, it looked like it was feeding into what I felt before the match, that, that Chelsea were just going to get stronger as it went on. And, and yet Liverpool kept hanging in there. And then that extra time performance was, was unbelievable, really, in terms of they just... They were, they were the dominant force again in the game, I thought, which was with, with kids on the pitch and, and Chelsea just absolutely wilted. So, it, 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 yeah, pride, pride's the word I come back to because every obstacle that was put in front of Liverpool, they, they hurdled it confidently. And in the end, as you say, could overcome a, a, a billion pound squad with, with kids on the pitch and, and just a, yeah, just a remarkable, remarkable game and, and, and testament really to, to what Jurgen Klopp's built at Liverpool. It's just, yeah, insane. It's, as it got to extra time, I mean, I was in the state and I was thinking, with a few of us chatting, we're saying, I'll take pens right now because it's going to be hard to hold on. But all of a sudden you looked at the clock and it was about 14 minutes of the first half of extra time. You think, 
we've battered these for the first half of extra time. Like, it really was. Like, it was back and forth at times. You know, both sides had periods, let's say that. Can you think of a better nil-nil? No one's springing to mind for me. Yeah, I think well, Liverpool had had one in the cup final a couple of years ago against Chelsea. It was a pretty good game as well, actually, yeah. to be fair. The, the, so, you know, maybe up there with that. But it, it was, it was full of chances, wasn't it? It was a really, a really quality game. But I, th- I still think overall, I think, you know, Chelsea, you look at their XG and it's slightly higher than Liverpool's. And I think that's on the basis that when they did get opportunities, they tended to be massive ones that they, they really should have taken. And unfortunately for them, came up against Quibi and Kelleher. But I thought, I still thought Liverpool overall, when you look at the 120 minutes as a whole, would have probably had the best of 75% of that in terms of bossing the match, holding possession, you know, making chances themselves. It was just that when Chelsea got theirs, they were, they were absolute huge chances. I just thought, yeah, I, I thought the performance as a whole was, was kind of dominant for most of the game, which again, when you throw in all the factors that Liverpool were up against, it just makes you think as well that if Liverpool had had all those first teamers they were missing, I, I reckon, you know, being generous maybe six players at least who would have definitely 100% started that game had they been fit. Um, they, they would have walked that that final in the end because what they yeah. got in the end was a, a a game in which, you know, largely even in terms of chances, but a game that they mostly were in charge of and then obviously won against the Chelsea side who, who should have been so much better or, you you know, you would have, they would have hoped to have, you know, yeah. when, when the lineups came out, you can't imagine if you're a Chelsea fan, you're thinking, are we going to ever get a better opportunity than this? And they've still managed to lose it. Um, so just, a, yeah, just a fantastic performance in Liverpool. And you can, you can absolutely gloss over some of the, you know, the, the, the dodgy elements of it, some of the, you know, some of the chances they did give up because they were they were coming up against so much and it was such a, you know, so many obstacles, as I say, and, and yet they've come through the, a fantastic performance and, and won the game and, and just, yeah, just remarkable day, really. Yeah, absolutely. And even Gakpo's header, I mean, we all wanted Chris Kavanagh to double-check his watch on that Harvey Elliott header right at the end as well, didn't we? We saw that was over the line, but real end-to-end stuff. And, I almost hate asking this in a way, but I've got to. Man of the match for you, and I know there's about a million contenders in this. There really is. Yeah, I mean, there weren't many poor performances at all. It was an unbelievable team effort. But if I probably had to pick someone out, it would be Kelleher, I think, because... You know, that's as close as a goalkeeper can get to scoring a hat trick in a cup final. The, the the saves he pulled out, just unbelievable. Really, it was it was stuff that was as good as a goal, really, in in massive moments. And you know, if Chelsea got the noses in front, I really think that would have settled them, and and then they would have been a bigger force in the game. But because because they kept missing those, I'm saying missing those chances, they kept they they were being kept out by Kelleher. I just think that massively got in their heads, and they were you know, and and it was just a it was just a huge factor in Liverpool winning, but. It's not just, and what actually what I liked about that is that Kelleher was the, the, the hero the last time that Liverpool won the League Cup, but in yeah. a completely unconventional way, scoring the win on penalty in a way that you wouldn't expect this time around, more conventional, just save after save, wasn't it? And, and you know, he makes nine saves across the match. And I think the expected goals on target he prevents is, is 2.95, which is, is ludicrous, really. It's, you know, and I, I'd seen calls in the weeks building up to this before the Allison injury, calls for him to be used in this game. And we, we we spoke about it, didn't we? And said, you know, there's no chance he can do that. And I, I, you know, I'm sure everyone would say now, 
thank goodness that, that Corvine Kelleher was in that goal, regardless of what Alisson's fitness issues are or not, because, you know, Corvine Kelleher is an unbelievable backup goalkeeper. He's an unbelievable goalkeeper, full stop. He would start for a lot of Premier League sides and, yeah. and he absolutely showed that is, you know, world-class saves yesterday. And, and, and that's why he's my man of the match, but there's a, a lot, a lot of, of honourable mentions that we maybe will will we'll get into now. But it, it, yeah, there's there's so many good performances there. Yeah, if Keller, if you close your eyes, you'd see Allison when Kelleher was making those saves, and literally, it almost feels like now he's got a, a run, a bit of rhythm. We're actually starting to see the proper Kelleher, so to speak, as well. He was outrageous yesterday. I mean, we do talk about it refs there was a couple of contentious decisions I'm not sure the manager was too happy particularly which we'll get on to at the same time as well I mean the disallowed goal the endo offside sent to the screen the VAR check overall thoughts on that one to be honest in the cold light of day, of day I think that's I think it's the right decision um, I, I know I know people will be shouting at the, the shouting at this now saying they disagree but I, I just think if it had been the other way around you know think about it 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 kind of is a clear block. I think if Endo had been a little bit more cute about it, made it look like he was being run into, but he's he's yeah. looking directly at Colwell. He, he is there to block. That's absolutely what he's doing. So, you know, he, he's doing his job there, but he's not doing it in a subtle enough way. He's not standing his ground clearly. He's 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 going for Colwell and looking directly at him. And I just think you can't deny that he influences the play because. Van Dyke scores the header from the position that Colwell was running back into. You know, Endo could have got away with that if he'd been a little bit more cute about it, but he but he wasn't. He was kind of blatant and, you know, really annoying at the time when it gets given. And you do see some blocks from offside players that don't get given. But I think in a cup final, you, you, you know, for that to be the opening goal, they, they will look at it, they will scrutinise it and they'll, they'll spot it. And I just... I just don't think people can have complaints about that one. Like I say, if it had been the other way around, everyone would have been saying, well, he's clearly influencing play. Say that a Chelsea player had done what Endo had done. He is influencing play. He's blocking a runner and there's a huge gap that opens for Van Dijk to run into. So, I, I, you know, people will disagree with me, I'm sure. But I, I just think, you know, and it's it's easy to be magnanimous about these things now and say, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Correct decision. Well, well done, ref. But I, but I genuinely thought at the time it was annoying, but... It, it, it probably was the right decision, in my opinion. Fair enough. And that Jurgen Klopp was not happy with the referees. He made it clear. Chris Kavanagh, who didn't shirk his thoughts, did he, in the, the post-match press conference and didn't shake his hand afterwards. A lot of it seemed to stem, I, I might be wrong on this, be interested on your thoughts, from what I believe was the foul on Gravenberg and no action being taken. I mean, when you see the replay, I've got to be honest, it looks horrendous. We didn't quite catch it in the stadium where I was. Honest thoughts on that whole incident and Klopp's reaction? Yeah, it's poor from the referee in that he doesn't even give a foul in that moment. So that's absolutely shocking, really, decision-wise. But I've seen calls for it to maybe be a red card, and I'm not sure about that one. Um, It's kind of a step on, isn't it? And what makes it look worse is Gravenberg pulls his leg away at the moment that Caicedo steps on him. And that's what buckles his ankle, is that action rather than... He's hit him with enough force to, to to buckle his leg, or you know, if he'd have hit him higher on the leg, absolutely no doubt, red card, and VAR would have had a look at it. But because he hits him low on the foot, and then it's Gravenberg's action that that makes that turns his ankle, it, that's the reason it, it it doesn't get given or doesn't get, you know, it, it's wrong that it's absolutely a yellow card. Don't get me wrong, and that's poor from the ref. But the reason VAR can't get involved in that situation then is because it's not, it doesn't reach the sort of barrier for a for a red card offence yeah. and and there's no reason to really give it there. So 
Um, it, it's, a, it's a bad one and it's unfortunate that Gravenberg's picked up an injury there and it absolutely should have been a foul and a yellow card so poor from their F on that front but VAR's hands are a little bit tied in that situation because he can't then recommend he, he goes and has a look and, and issues a yellow card even though you know maybe that should be part of the remit but we'd be would be, I mean, we give up so much of the game to VAR already. I'm not sure I want him to go back and, and look at stuff like that. So, yeah, an unfortunate one. And I thought Caicedo was kind of lucky actually to get through so much of the game without getting a booking because I thought he was going around kicking people quite a lot. Um, he was late into a lot of challenges. So yeah. that, that's one thing I would criticise the ref for as well. Again, is I don't think he got a handle on Chelsea's fouling early in the game. They were very, very physical um, and, and I think he let a lot go in that ends in situations where you, you're getting injuries and I, I didn't like that and I thought that was poor from the ref but on the Caicedo one you know not a lot VAR can do in that one it, it should have been a yellow on the pitch and the ref should have seen that one Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, indeed. And fortunately, it didn't spoil anything but a brilliant day. And I mean, how am I even going to put this to you? Jaden Dance, Connor Bradley, Bobby Clark, James McConnell, discuss. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way of saying it. Yeah, phenomenal, really. I mean, I said, didn't I, about thinking that when the kids came on that they would weaken Liverpool. And I, I do think there was a kind of m- couple of moments when they, early on when they were, they were all on the pitch that Liverpool sort of lost it a little bit when they, 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 they came on late in the game. But that extra time, you know, the, the way all, all of the, the kids who come on had performed was ridiculous. I mean, I start with Conor Bradley just in the sense that obviously he starts the game at right back, moves to right wing and, and yeah, he doesn't play it right, like a right winger, but he's trying his absolute best to. He's, he's still making those yeah. penetrating runs in behind. He knows the job is to try and stretch Chelsea and force their back line back so that you can get balls in the number 10 spaces. He's doing that. 
showing sheer quality every time he gets the ball, winning his challenges like he always does when he's in right, right back. And, you know, he, he, he played like a senior pro, really, because he was being forced into being out of position very early in the game and, and was just flawless, really. You know, great effort from him. He shows his versatility and his intelligence as a footballer as well as everything else he's got. And then, yeah, the kids who come on, just uh, just... Just incredible, really. I mean, Jaden Dans could have scored the winner. He had a, a couple of chances that, that come to him. The, the header ones, a, a, a great effort. Um, and then the ones where he nearly he nearly nicks in for a couple, where he, you know, the 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 one he follows up from Harvey Elliott, and then obviously there's one where it's it's fired across the goal, and he's he's there, so he he can clearly smell out goal scoring opportunities. And I thought he did really well in in that and, and holding the ball and also absolutely worked his socks off. He didn't give those Chelsea defenders a moment's peace and that was brilliant. I thought Bobby Clark, similar in terms of his work rate when he came on, maybe maybe slightly sloppier on the ball than he is sometimes, but he's but in terms of work rate and, and, and getting in there and battling and making it hard for Chelsea, that was absolutely his job when he was thrown in, was to, okay, we, 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 we're having to bring off players of... of unbelievable quality here in our, our starting lineup. Can you come on and at least give me energy? And he absolutely did that. And some some great moments on the ball in amongst that as well. And and then for me, James McConnell is is maybe the 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 reason Liverpool win the game. And I, I, maybe I'm going a bit too far on that front, but I thought his sub performance was genuinely brilliant in that you know you, you're bringing off Alexis McAllister, who, who I thought was fantastic across the game, won all his duels. He was you know, used the ball really sensibly and was a big part of why Liverpool had got control. But his legs started to go towards the end of the game because it's a massive pitch and he put so, so much into the game. And as his legs started to go in those last 10 minutes of normal time, that was when Chelsea had their best period. And I think there was, there was no coincidence there. So the manager had no choice, really had to make a, a change in there or Chelsea were probably going to dominate extra time. But it's... A, it's a big ask of McConnell to say, OK, come in and replace a World Cup winner who's been absolutely class this season for Liverpool. Go in and, and basically do the same job. But but McConnell did it. I, I, I just thought he absolutely was the reason that Liverpool wrestled control back in extra time for me. It, it, I think he completes around sort of his high 80s for, for pass completion rate. He, he, he wins a few duels in there as well. I think creates three chances. So... He's just involved and, and busy in midfield and, 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 and sensible when he got the ball as well and, and, and still creative with it as well. So he just did everything that McAllister was doing before him, which was, you know, for, for a kid of his age, I think he's 19, he's, he's, he's in that situation as well. It's crazy. And as I say, I think he was the reason that Liverpool stemmed the flow of Chelsea chances in extra time and actually controlled it to the point that they could put themselves in a position to win it. So, you know, getting that from a 19-year-old who's making, what, is he six or seven appearances now in the first team uh, to, to do that in a Wembley Cup final in extra time and the stakes are so high, just remarkable. And, and, and yeah, all of the kids deserve huge credit. I mean, we're not even talking about Drell Quanta coming on for the last 15 know, years yeah. because, because he's now a senior player to us. Um, yeah, just, just unbelievable. And credit to the academy, credit to the manager for having the the balls to to use them as Pep Linders put it and and credits the kids themselves for for just fearless performances in in a really difficult situation. Yeah, as as the tweet went, it's Jaden Dan's second senior performance, and he now has one more medal than Harry Kane as a striker. So yeah, that was an interesting one. And I, we're talking about like you say these players as seniors, and I'm, I was even bracketing then. Harvey Elliott in a senior position. I mean, because he played 100 games, absolutely crazy. Because I did want to talk about these two, because Harvey Elliott, 
And I don't want to say criticism, but people have often looked at him and said, sub-impact, that's where he is. Luis Diaz has definitely had criticism, I think it's fair to say, at times this season on his overall impact. You know, his numbers, if you want to call it that. Those two, for the 120, well, just shy of 120 minutes, however long it was, however more, sensational, weren't they, yesterday for us? Yeah, I mean, b- both what they absolutely gave. Because I think not everything absolutely came off for them in attack. Uh, and that's the reason why Liverpool it's uh, uh, at 0-0 for so long. But but they just did not stop running, either of them. And they kept causing trouble. They kept getting in there. I mean, Harvey Elliott, you know, he doesn't actually win a lot of the duels he's involved in, but he's involved in a lot because he just kept getting back in there. He's constantly trying to cover passing lanes. He's, the energy he brings is so tireless. He's being moved from the front line to midfield and back again. And, you know, yeah. you know, again, showing the versatility. And he's 20 years old. When you're doing that with a 20-year-old, you're thinking that you're going to get situations where he sort of forgets to follow his man or, or someone gets off the back of him. It just didn't happen. He just kept working. And then Diaz, I thought Diaz was, was Liverpool's best attacker on the day as well. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the, 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 his dribble success quite high. He, he kept creating stuff in terms of that because he was coming inside and um, he just looked really threatening. And Chelsea never really got a handle on him. Um, and I thought he did really, really well in terms of that. But again, he is another player as well that even if, you know, even if not everything was coming off for him, his work rate over the, the, the amount of time he was on the pitch was was a joke. I mean, I, I get with, with Diaz, the, the, he gets some criticism from time to time, but I think people need to stop looking at him as Sadio Mane. He isn't that sort of striker playing on the wing. He's very much a left winger. He's more of a midfield profile than he is a sort of centre forward profile. And, you know, Mane was very much played that. Even when he's played on the left wing, he was always trying to be in the central position to be play like a striker. Whereas what what you get with Diaz is that more midfield quality. And what that is, he provides real balance when you've got the likes of Nunez and Salah in the team or Jota. Because he is that that midfield profile, and what you get with that is is just this relentless work rate. I mean, he had absolutely ran himself into the ground yesterday, yeah. and, and he was still, I think, Liverpool's most creative player alongside that. Uh, he's probably never going to put up ludicrous goal numbers like you saw from Amane or you see yeah. from Salah or Jota. He probably won't ever provide that, but he's still got his unbelievable value to Liverpool, and he showed that yesterday with his with his work rate, his creativity. Um, I, I, yeah, like I say, I thought he was, he was Liverpool's best forward, but he was also one of the best defenders on the pitch as well. And and yeah. and he, you know, all that talk about he always he, oh, he finished after these knee injuries. People who said that do not know anything about football. He is he's as good as he's ever been for Liverpool at, at, at this moment in time. And, and I'm loving watching him play. He just absolutely, you know, he's like he's almost like a fan on the pitch in the same way Elliot is. He you know he will bleed for the shirt. And, and you absolutely saw that at Wembley yesterday. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Going going both ways. It was great to see Luis Diaz was skinning defenders at times as well. But like you said, importantly, working back, winning tackles, even almost in left-back positions at times yesterday when we were getting overrun there. So sensational. And one player, amongst all the things we've talked about, we haven't talked about yet, the skipper, the ultimate hero, the you know the leader on the day, the captain himself, man of the match, second Carabao Cup, man of the match. I mean... Colossus just about sums it up for Virgil van Dijk in this one, doesn't it? Yeah, he's the best centre-back in the world, possibly the best centre-back there's ever been, I would argue, because of the demands on centre-backs in the modern game. I think it's genuinely fair to say that. You know, Maybe people would disagree, but 
But uh, and he's absolutely back to his best. I mean, you might have seen that clip from the dressing room where he says people said I was finished. I mean, and people did say it. People did say it. Um, but if you put a functioning midfield in front of him and and and, and just allow him to to do what the, the best centre back in the world can do, he, he can do it. And it's what what I've loved recently is you know defending out of his skin. He you know kept Chelsea at bay completely yesterday. I thought him and Canate were both excellent actually. And you know, did all that, did all the things you come to expect from him. But in these last two games, he's sort of gone up a level in terms of, I, I am that guy. So, you know, how crucial was that goal against Luton? I, I think if it doesn't yeah, come at the time, it, it does, that, that, that Liverpool maybe struggle to win the game. You know, your confidence starts to get sapped the longer it stays at 1-0 to Luton. So to score in that moment was absolutely huge. And then to score two in the cup final, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, he only gets one and it's the winner, but... You know, it's just turning up in those big moments with with big goals, and that is what you want from your captain. And there's so much talk over the summer of the, you know, what's it going to be like to lose the likes of Jordan Henderson and James Milner. And I won't play down their impact in terms of building that dressing room culture because it, you know, Klopp has gone on record about that, and I know people will try to because he maybe weren't the biggest fans of those two as players, but they absolutely were crucial to building that. But that transition to to Virgil Van Dijk just carrying it on has been completely seamless uh, and he is an absolute leader a brilliant captain and he seemed kind of emotional actually after the win yesterday yeah. I think so the, the 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 size and the importance of it the fact that he was the captain he scored the winning goal he's he's dragging Liverpool to trophies himself now seems to you know mean a lot to him and he's a, he's an absolute Liverpool legend isn't he that's that's already guaranteed but he's added a little bit more to the story and and hopefully more to come from in between now and the end of the season as well yeah, I gen- genuinely didn't think he could almost... I thought it was impossible he could almost go up a level in that way. But the last few, like you said, that Luton, yeah, he's just... He's taken it on his shoulders almost. And yeah, we're going to we're gonna need him until the end of the season. The only sort of downer on the day, because we do need players at the moment. I mean, we see Trent in a knee brace, Curtis in the protective boo, and, you know, we're hopeful... I mean, we see Darwin leaping the, the fences like Beecher's Brook at Aintree, don't we, type of thing. But the downer on the day, Gravenberg injury, and then even in the, I think, in the mix zone area, we see Endo, don't we, with protected boot and crutches. And we just praying for good news, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, both of them kind of, when they, when they walked through the mix zone, apparently were, were quite... Um, upbeat about the injuries in terms of didn't think they were too bad. I mean, you know, your hope is with Gravenberg's quite a bad sprain and you're looking at a couple of weeks maybe and there's an international break coming up. So, you know, that that's kind of helpful. The first international break that we've ever probably welcomed yeah. and that, that will be nicely timed. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a scan today for Gravenberg and we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, hopefully get some good news on that. And, and Endo, I, I got the sense that that was more of a, protective one rather than sort of he's definitely picked up an injury I think he takes a kick from Caicedo late in the game when he's absolutely had him off uh, in midfield I think Caicedo leaves one on him and I think it's just maybe protecting that um, either way you know even if both of them were, were suddenly fit for midweek I don't think we'd be seeing them anywhere near it with you know with the uh, particularly Endo with what he put into the game. I mean, we've not even spoke about him but he was right up there in terms of man of the match for me he was very very close to Kelleher in uh, Virgil van Dijk I thought a phenomenal performance and again tireless you know he plays the entire game he's just absolutely flawless in that midfield what a ridiculous signing and to dominate Caicedo as well just feels so fitting doesn't it I mean you know yeah. the, the, some some old tweets are being dug up today aren't they about the fact that Liverpool missed out on Caicedo and went for Endo instead and 
Well, looking at the evidence yesterday, Liverpool got the better deal there by a million miles. And yeah, I, I hope with that, with Endo, it's just get him in the boot, protect him. He's got a kick on there. Let's just get any weight off it whatsoever um, yeah. and, and start that recovery process now. So I'm, I'm hoping that's not anything serious because he, you know, they didn't, they didn't need to drag him off or anything like that. I think it's just an excess of caution, which Liverpool absolutely needs to show at the moment because they've, you know, they, they're in the war, they were in the wars yesterday and obviously they've got so many injuries. But there'll be hope as well that, you know, like you say, with, with the way that Sobers Lai and, and Nunez were celebrating yesterday, that, that those two will be close and hopefully Mo Salah as well. So, could be a case that hopefully, even if they've lost Gravenberg for a couple of weeks, that the squad is going to start to get stronger with it, with a few being close to coming back now. It will be interesting, like you say, because they did look fit naturally by the, the celebrations. And lest we forget it, we've got Southampton in the FA Cup on Wednesday. And you, you mentioned this, it was a great point last week. That actually becomes maybe a bigger game than you'd think because we want to win it. So the derby gets cancelled, doesn't it? Postponed and rearranged. Then there's even more time for recovery. I mean, dear God, what sort of lineup do you think we do put out against Southampton? And do you think, would you actually be surprised if those three are in it, even if it's just for an hour or something like that at all? I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be quite weak. I mean, I, I think it has to be. Not not in the sense that you know Jurgen Klopp always says it's not about recognizing the next game. It's not about the preparation for the the Forest game that's coming up. It's more about recognizing what they've just put in there for for him on on, on Sunday. Um, so it, it's you know the the hope will be that that Sobers Lie and, and Salah and, and Nunes can all at least be in the squad. I think again they'll probably want to take the the careful approach there, and, and and even if all three are fit, you won't see them in the starting lineup. But um, it'd be great to get them back in the squad because that helps you as well. If you you know if you name a, a weakened lineup there uh, because you have to. If you can keep it nil nil for for sixty and, and and then bring those three off the bench, then you've got a great chance of winning it, particularly with you being at Anfield as well. So you know that'd be the the ideal setup. But I think it's going to be I think there's going to be a lot of changes. I mean it's it's helpful when you think of some of the subs. So you know Connor Bradley coming off when he does should be available. Um, you know you, you've got Jarrell Quanser only plays fifteen minutes there, so you've got options there. Simicash should be fine to start, shouldn't yeah. he? And you know there's some more difficult choices elsewhere. I absolutely acknowledge that, but but I think that you know you, you could probably put together a, a decent looking side. And like I say, then you give yourself the chance to win it off the bench with with some of the options you, you hopefully can can bring into the squad. Then you know Liverpool will, will have enough to do it. And the fact it's at Anfield as well is just massive, isn't it? It's, it's, it's so helpful in terms of getting over the line. I think it is. You know the FA Cup's not number one priority, but I think winning. Winning this game, as you say, because it pushes the Everton game back. That would be so, so handy. So uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully Liverpool can put out a, a, a lineup that can that can win the game. Yeah, and even if it James McConnell, Bobby Clark, Jaden Dans, you would not be surprised. But how could you do anything but doubt? You know, how could you doubt them? Basically, after what we've seen at the same time as well. So yeah, it will be interesting to see how that is, and if we could just get. Sounding greedy now, but if we could just get half an hour out those three as well, the big names ahead of Boris, as you say, it, it looks very different there all of a sudden. And moving to off the pitch matters, because there have been a, a few things going on. Sparta Prague, last 16 and the, the Europa League. Decent draw for you out of all the teams that were there. It's a decent draw for the fans. Absolute stag yeah. destination, isn't it? Yeah. So fantastic draw. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think, yeah. 
you look at some of the opposition they could have got, I think so, you know, the Portuguese teams are strong, aren't they? And 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 that would have been difficult. And, you know, by Leverkusen would have wanted to avoid them because, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're flying at the minute, aren't they? Um, so that would have been tricky. And so I think, yeah, and and the travel's not too bad. You know, you're not having to go to, to Azerbaijan. So that, that again is, is really helpful. So yeah, it's a winnable tie for Liverpool, not too much travel. And, and that's all you could really ask for. And I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp will feel that he'd probably be able to make a, a few changes across this tie and still be able to get through, hopefully, particularly as he's got the, apparently the best group of academy kids that's ever come through anywhere. Uh, to to call on so um, yeah I I think a a good draw for Liverpool and one they'll expect to get through I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide (laughs) this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, they, they came second in their group to Rangers, which is not trying to diminish Rangers in any way, but you'd hope based on, you know, what we did to Rangers last season as well, and we know what state we were in at times last season, that that would be a hopefulness there. Yeah, we'll have to see. And sticking on off the field matters, I know I I, I was chatting to you about this, now, the screenshots that David Ornstein, well-known journalist ever, did the, the Q&A, and quite a few questions came up about Liverpool's Naturally, they will. Sporting director, the head coach role, everything that's going on there. One thing that really stood out, and he was really definitive on this in one of his answers, that his information, it's important to say that, is that he believes FSG hope to have a sporting director in place by the end of March. Does that seem a little bit late to you almost? No, I, I, th- I think to be honest, I think we've talked about this time frame before on the podcast in terms of uh, uh, that. I think that was a similar timing to me in terms of uh, I, I felt that you know March was the time time that really you start to do your transfer business. Obviously, you've got this managerial appointment to make, and yeah, you know that's about the time you'd want someone in. I think the idea that they want by the end of March is you know that'd be the at the latest. So we may hear news before that of it of it getting done. But I thought. You know, I think that that makes sense in terms of timescale. I think that's the, the that would be the absolute latest you would want one because, like I said, in terms of identifying players for the for the summer window, that 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 starts to happen then. In terms of you start to contact agents and talk to them and maybe lay the groundwork for if the manager who comes in wants them, then then you've done the the background work that needs to be done. Um, so so I'm kind of happy with that time frame. I mean, it's only a month away now, isn't it? Anyway, so right. something's got to give soon. And I think any later than that, I would absolutely be worried. But I think that that sort of lines up with what I expected as well and what we've spoke about. So. 
Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's fair, and I, I, I have no reason to 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 disagree with David on that. I, I mean, I never would because he's he's an unbelievable journalist, um, and and yeah, that that time frame feels about right to me. And in in terms of what I've heard as well, sort of lines up with that. Yeah, and he has he did name a few names like Masara, the former AC Milan sporting director, the guy at Lille whose name escapes me, and even mentioned Hunter and Fallows potential options. The club are obviously thinking about it. In, turn, in that regard and the managerial race I, you'll have noticed this as well everyone keeps talking about the front runner or the contenders it does feel like it's almost an election style thing now doesn't it like a presidential race and there's been different reports this week depending on different journalists that Jabby the natural front runner Ruben Amarim at Sporting Lisbon sort of the the alternative of a few have said Nagelsmann being mentioned still I mean he they're rocking the Bundesliga at the moment, but still Alonso all the way for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's everything that he provides in terms of, I mean, by Leverkusen, he's, he's absolutely turned them into one of the best teams in Europe, which given the budget he's got, you know, Leverkusen could be a, a top four side absolutely comfortably in there and maybe overachieve slightly, but to, to do so in the way they are, they, they, you know, running away with the Bundesliga title, they, they're going well in Europe as well, doing well in the cup. Um, they just... He's, the, the job he's done is is just ludicrous, really, and I think because of not just that and it, it, the fact he's built one of the best teams in Europe, but also the, the the cultural fit that's there and the fact that he would get so much time from the fans to 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 do the job and that uh, you know so much buy in would be there just automatically. I just think it, it has to be him. But if it if it can't, I, I think I've mentioned Amarin before as someone whose name would be in the mix. I, I, you know, again young manager who plays a, a good style of football is, is overachieved with sporting relative to his sort of um, budget that he's got there and, and led them to the first title I think it was in 19 years so absolutely wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix if, if they can't get Alonso but I think Alonso will be out there and I think with Nagelsmann for me there's a there's a character issue there I, I, I think in terms of I, I just don't know if he's got the fit to be a Liverpool manager in terms of you know, I, I don't know him personally, so I'm maybe being unfair. But the way he comes across, there's a a little bit of an arrogance there, and a, a sort of something I don't think fans will buy into. Uh, it, you know, it, it was kind of clear. I remember doing the press conferences when he came over with Hoffenheim, and 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 already at that point getting that vibe from him. And then I've I've not really had anything since that's discouraged me from that view. So. I don't know if he's a great cultural fit. I, I think the other two would be up there. But but like you say, I, I still think it, it has to be Alonso. And I, I expect absolutely that he will be the number one target for Liverpool as well. Yeah. And, the, and I know you said this, sporting director first, and there's a time frame on that. And then we'll have to see how that develops. And we do go to the questions from the viewers. And this surprised me, actually, the top one. There was a lot of versions of this. And I mean a lot of versions because it was put in different ways. But... It mainly centres around the Nunes and Sabozlai celebrations and the way they reacted. And it came in different formats from different people. I mean, someone even sent us a screenshot of a, an interview Sabozlai did to Hungarian TV where he said, you know, I, I was fit in my eyes. I wanted to play. We've had the debates with the medical team. And obviously the comments that Jurgen Klopp made, it was tongue in cheek, wasn't he, when he said it after. I think people need to be, to be clear on that in regards to maybe he will speak to the medical team after he saw them vaulting and jumping. But you know, a tongue-in-cheek basis. With everything that's going on around the injuries, you know there's a lens on the medical team. Is it just that are people you think reading too much into this that Zabosli and Nunes' reactions mean they could have played some minutes or is it right to be cautious? Are you just seeing it as almost too much scrutiny maybe? 
No, I, I think they probably could have been in the squad. And I think, uh, I, I think you know, if Liverpool hadn't had some of the setbacks they've had this season, they probably would have been risks. Um, I, I absolutely think they could have. I, I, I have no reason to dis, disbelieve Sabozlai when he says that, and which suggests to me as well that he will be in the squad on Wednesday. Um, and you see the way Nunes moves when he's had a muscle injury. He looked again like he could have been used. I mean, you can you can understand though why Liverpool is you know using an excess of caution because you know in amongst all the recurrences they've had of injuries recently. So obviously you look at what happened with Sabozlai coming back from that hamstring yeah. injury. Then of course, obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold's had a recurrence himself, and it's kind of gone under the radar. But but so is Salah. Um, you know, yeah. nobody really is talking about it, but he's had a recurrence of a, a muscle issue coming back from a muscle issue. So no wonder Liverpool don't want to take any risks anymore. Um, and they're, they're playing it really, really safe, which is why I think Sabozlai and, and Nunes, absolutely, it looks like they will be in the squad on Wednesday. You'd certainly hope so. They, they, they should be in, a chan- in with a chance with uh, because, you know, they, clearly Sabozlai said himself that he's close and Nunes... For a muscle issue, didn't really look like he was he was any sort of risk there. So I'd expect maybe those two to be back in the squad. And hopefully, hopefully Salah's as close well as well. And, and you know, Jurgen Klopp said they were taking it day by day with all three of them, didn't they? And that they they could maybe be within a chance. So if they couldn't make Sunday, can they make Wednesday? And, and what a huge boost that would be to get them back. Yeah, and it, it, it's a massive boost if all three are back in the squad for Forest, isn't it? Especially that league game. That that does feel massive that way. And. Players that, that people picked out, and probably it goes in line, as we said, because they dominated Caicedo and everyone knows the summer saga and the Lavia situation being Chelsea as well. But Endo and McAllister, so it was kind of a combination of a few questions, which I thought were good. Are they signing of the season contenders? And if you had to pick one, who would you say has been better? Because it's tough with value against overall things. Who would you pick? Yeah, I mean, goodness me. That is tough. Uh, it's, I mean, they're absolutely are signing the season contenders because I mean, I mean, the thing is, McAllister even himself, it's not like his fee was outrageous, thirty-five million, and you get Caicedo was going for what hundred and eleven in the end, who, who was his partner at, at at Brighton, and I think you know you start to wonder whether McAllister was just making him look good, Caicedo. I thought with yeah. some elements, I mean, he was actually he was okay yesterday, Caicedo, but. Some of it, you know, late into a lot of challenges, giving the ball away sometimes as well, and just looked so sloppy in comparison to McAllister. I actually thought it's kind of interesting. They were involved in quite a lot of duels with each other where they were going up against each other, and McAllister yeah. seemed to be coming out really well out of those. And it was interesting to see him sort of flying into that. And, and you know, you think they were probably old friends from, from Brighton, but it didn't really look like it on the pitch. But yeah, the, the, no doubt that these two just absolute unbelievable bargains. And, and to dominate a midfield that Chelsea put out that's worth 200 odd million uh, and, and yet what they cost around 50 million between them Endo and McAllister yeah. just that, that I mean that uh, and, and it's not just you know it's not just that one performance is it it's that these two have played a key role in putting Liverpool in title yeah. contention going well in the Europa League they've won the League Cup now and so yeah absolutely in, in, in signing the season contention and I think if I had to pick between the two it, it's almost impossible because Endo's got that extra element of being even more of a bargain being 30 and people not thinking that he's going to be any good. He's coming from relegation threat and Stuttgart. He's coming in the aftermath of Caicedo, but also you cannot then underrate getting McAllister and the the genius of that deal for 35 million. He's a World Cup winner who is played in multiple positions in midfield now and looked absolutely class in all of them. Um, You know, it's, it's almost impossible to... 
to separate the two, I would say. But just, you know, Liverpool fans should just be absolutely delighted that they've got both in the midfield. And yeah, incredible. And one thing I will say, actually, as a final point on McAllister is, you know, the difference between him and Caicedo is that, you know, McAllister would have had an interest from a lot of big clubs over the summer. Yeah. His decision was made not on not on money or this, you know, the, the offer of an eight-year contract or anything. He made a sporting decision to come to Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp because he knew that was the best chance for his development um, and the best move for, for him in his terms of his career. And I don't think Caicedo made a similar decision. And I think, you know, you look at, you look at who came out with a winner's medal yesterday and it sort of underlines... You know who who made the better call in that sense, and 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 who's maybe the 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 smarter of the two. Yeah, no, you've been forgetting the summer McAllister was linked with City, had interest, didn't they? Like you said, Chelsea, but yeah, just been absolutely sensational. And the final one I wanted to ask you, which came up from a few people, which I thought was a good question as well about Jurgen Klopp. That as we're entering this the end or coming towards the end of his tenure, which sounds horrendous to say that. Maybe he is getting a bit more, you know, showing more emotions in sort of interviews like yesterday, but also the comments he's given as well around him. He was quite blunt about Chris Kavanagh yesterday that he said, you know, when people were talking about celebrations and things, he said, I didn't give a, you know, we can insert the word there. With it coming towards the end of his tenure, do you think for you guys, especially in the the media journalists, he will start to, and I'm thinking how to phrase this, let his guard down or be a bit more honest because there's no real future impact. He doesn't have to appease anyone, so to speak, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, because it's always helpful for us as journalists to get a, get a line. And when he's talk, speaking his mind, that's always great. But I mean, he's, he's never really been that good at, at keeping a lid on things emotionally anyway. So, you know, maybe we will, I agree, maybe we'll see a little bit more of that because as you say, there's there's probably not going to be any more consequences as we, we come to the end of his his last season at Liverpool, and, and maybe we'll see even more of the real Jurgen Klopp, which is which is great for us, uh, great for fans and journalists, and, and and sort of you know it's exciting in terms of some of the the headlines he might give us between now and the end of the season. But I'd still say that you know all over his time here, he's he's been very honest a lot of the time and and, yeah. and given a lot of himself over. So um, you know it's only fair to mention that and say that he's. You know, maybe we're just seeing a little bit more of that, but it's he's always been like that, and I think that's why we've all we've all sort of loved him and loved working with him or loved him as fans. Uh, it's because he is he is honest and he's just himself. Yeah, no doubts about it. And there's just a part of me yesterday when just thinking like he, when he was that emotional, someone just put a blank piece of paper and just tell him to write a number on there and just sign, and we'll deal with all the sort of details later on, as it were. But yeah, it, it was special. And listen, I've really enjoyed this one because there was so much to talk about yesterday. And what seems crazy is even with the emotions and the highs yesterday, we'll be talking next week about another set of massive games, won't we? So it just rolls on and on this season. It does take me back to when I asked you, would you have traded or rolled the dice on the second place or the cups just to take a few? But yeah, I think it was right to let it all ride and see what happens now until the end of the season. So all it leaves me to say is as ever, David, thank you for your time and your insight. It is much appreciated. No, thank you very much. Good to get our first trophy on board as a, as a duo as well. Yeah, indeed. Let's hope we're talking about three more before the end of the season. <laughs> and ladies and gents, that was a Media Matters special for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. 
and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.